it's not just about how big the package is. It's about how fast jobs are created and how uh, those initiatives that were added in the spending will um, uh, contribute to long-term stabilization of our economy. Hi, and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And in New York, I'm Laura Conaway. It's Friday, January 23rd. And today, we're going to take a look at what happens when you only kind of sort of lose your job. The dreaded, or the maybe not so dreaded, furlough. But first, Planet Money indicator. David, let's go ahead and do 44%. That is the percentage drop in quarterly profit at General Electric. So if you compare the fourth quarter of 2008 to the fourth quarter of 2007, it is down 44%. And GE really is just leading this parade of bad numbers. It's earnings season, and really you should not be surprised that corporations' reports are coming in bad. They're they're awful, really, and they're so bad that they're taking the stock market with it. Xerox shares are down 14%. Harley-Davidson is down, their shares are down 13%, and so are the shares of the Capital One Financial Group, which is a credit card company. Profits are up some places, though. Like IBM, its quarterly profits went up 12% from 2007 to 2008. However, it is laying off people. Yeah, there's quite a little conversation about this going on on the blog right now, npr.org slash money. Because IBM posted this 12% bump on Tuesday, and the CEO sent out a nice letter to everybody saying that the plan for bonuses was going to go ahead and the plan for pay raises was going to go ahead. And then on Wednesday, the workers started saying, hey, we're seeing layoffs, big layoffs all over the place in the United States and a few in Canada, too. The company still won't talk about how many exactly, but the union says it seems like they're up to about 2,900, maybe 3,000 and counting. And Microsoft uh, says it's laying off a bunch of people, or it says maybe 5,000 layoffs coming in the next year or so. Yeah, they started with something like 1,400 people on Thursday, including at least one Planet Money listener, this guy, Noel Patterson, who's actually been on our show before. He talked to us about driving around the back roads of Washington State and buying things for cheap off Craigslist, and he was one of the people who got the axe. Yesterday, he talked to us this morning. His family was still sleeping, and it was day one of his new life. Last night when I told them that, you know, Daddy got laid off, and I explained what that meant, and they kind of, like, you know, taking it back, and then they uh, started saying what, you know, what I could do now, and and my my youngest son thought it would be really great for me to work very close. And so he said, well, you could work like where you could walk to, like that hair salon right down the block. And I thought, okay, well, that's that's something that'd be very close. And yes, I could walk to that every day. It's literally maybe 500 yards from my house. And then my oldest son said, I don't care if it's close. Just you need to make a lot of money so you can buy us games. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? And then and then as I was going to bed, my my 10 year old said, Dad, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, wake up tomorrow and write a list of jobs that I think you could have. And so I look forward to seeing that list. And who knows? He might give me some inspiration. David, of the laid-off people we talked to, Noel Patterson, I have to say, he sounds pretty upbeat. Because if you've ever been laid off, you really don't need us to tell you that it's it's lousy. Right. And we've been talking about a lot of the ways that companies have been trying to avoid actually firing people, uh, cutting retirement benefits, cutting off coffee service. Uh, 
and this other alternative to firing people, which is that you just ask people to work fewer hours. So this is the idea of a furlough. It's basically unpaid time off. So we have our very own Caitlin Kenny here, who's been talking to people who have actually been furloughed. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, David. So what'd you find? Well, we talked to a bunch of people. Some people work for small companies, other people who work for big companies. Uh, One of the people I talked to was Elizabeth Call. She's a librarian. She works at the Brooklyn Historic Society. And she just found out this month that she's now going to be working four days a week instead of five. It's supposed to be only temporary. It's supposed to last till June. And she's not really sure how it's going to affect her paycheck yet. But for the moment, she's kind of okay with it. I don't don't know. I don't know if it's really – I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think – as long as I don't get laid off, as long as this is it, I'm okay with it, <laughs> you know? I mean, you do have to work five days and four days, but, I mean, I think because I think everybody ex- understands there's cutbacks within the, the company that um, output's not going to be as much. I don't know how much the Republic is going to like it because we had to cut back library hours and stuff, so... Do you feel like when you're going in to work now, four days a week as opposed to five, that there's stuff backing up a little bit, or do you feel like your workload has increased? Um, well, there was back like there was a backload to begin with, and I definitely, um, you know, I definitely can tell it's going to get worse because I go to I start school again, and I just can't put in hours on the days that I am there. So <laughs> it's kind of like become a strictly nine to five, four days a week. So of course, it's going to start piling up, and and it's only been. It's only been a couple, a couple, what, two weeks now, so it's really hard to gauge. Um, and I guess that's why it's a good idea you're going to be doing following up because who knows what I'm going to be sounding like in six months. So the bad news is work piles up. The good news is you still have a job. Exactly. Most of the people sound pretty grateful. I mean, they seem to understand that, you know, everyone's going through really hard times and they're just lucky at this moment that they're not being laid off. But the thing is that it's so temporary and for a lot of them, it was pretty much unexpected. I talked to one guy named Daniel Cross. He designed circuits for cell phones in Boca Raton, Florida. And he just found out that he's going to be required to take five days of unpaid leave in the first quarter of this year and another five in the second quarter. He says that his company told him, you know, times are tough. We're just trying to do everything we can to stay viable. But he's not quite sure. And the whole thing kind of makes him nervous. It's hard to tell whether this is a, a prudent move to conserve cash to ride out the bad time or whether it's a last-ditch effort to try to save something before total collapse. So you can kind of understand that sentiment, right? I guess you'd worry, like, how you know, should I be looking for other work? Some of the people said, maybe I would use this time to look for other work, but jobs are so scarce right now that they're just hoping that everything works out. And the other thing is that furloughs seem to be sort of a foreign concept for a lot of the people I talked to. It's something that they weren't really familiar with. Elizabeth said she didn't even remember hearing the word until her coworkers were talking about it afterwards. And Daniel said it was something he hadn't heard about in quite a while. I guess I'm the first person that I know of who's been furloughed like this. Uh, I know my, you know, my father had to deal with it when he was working for the VA in the 80s. But that that was a long time ago. Yeah, there's just something about the word furlough that makes you think of the Civil War or something. Actually, I just had our librarians look it up in the OED. Let me see what it says here. Yeah, the soldiers had their furloughs in their breast pockets. That's just for being, uh, I think, 
put on leave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a really old term, 1625. Yeah. A lot of people talked about how they'd heard, had friends who were police officers or people in the military. And a lot of times when they'd heard the term used, um, they associated it with people getting paid time off, which, of course, in this case, it's not. And they were common back in the 80s. And people who work in the automotive industry have to deal with them all the time. Plants just will shut down for several weeks. But the stories that we've been hearing from people lately are different. They have this sort of like nervous, last minute, panicky kind of feel to them. One of the people that I talked to is a girl named Sarah Yarito. She's from Chicago, and she works at a debt acquisition and collection agency. She says it's gotten to the point where her boss just calls her at the beginning of the week, and that's how she finds out which days she has to take off. Before, it was never a big deal. I always had money, so I never had to pay attention to how much money I was spending exactly. I've had the luxury of when I wanted to buy something, I usually could unless it was a big purchase. Um, But lately, I've started a very strict budget, and I've started to track all my purchases. So every day, I come home with my receipts, if I have any, and sort of add it all up and keep track of where exactly that money's going to hopefully eliminate any unnecessary spending. And that's definitely been a, a result of having this sort of job where I've been asked to take time off, you know, not really with any warning. It's sort of just, oh, you'll be off for the next two days. Is this something that happens in every recession, or is there something special about this one? Well, it's something that's definitely happened before, but we called up Howard Rosen from the Peterson Institute. We talked to him a while back about pay cuts, if you remember, and he says that the type of furloughs that are being taken in this recession are different simply because this recession itself is entirely different. Companies are not able to make their next day obligations. They're so far on the edge, and they can't even borrow money to make their payrolls up until the next week or pay their electricity bill. So a furlough is kind of the easiest thing to do because you can just walk in or on Friday and say, you know, we're shut down next week. Turn off the lights. Don't pay anybody's salary until, you know, they can get another loan or something like that to keep the company going. I see, right. It's different because because there's a credit crisis, really. That's, that's a big part of it. Right. It's like they're just saying, oh, my God, we can't pay our bills tomorrow. What are we going to do? And then they just say, hey, we'll shut down the office for a week. That'll save us money. Right. It is A furlough is different from a pay cut, though, because a pay cut literally means uh, your salary is reduced, your annual salary is reduced. Here it's like you still, in theory, have the same annual salary. It's just right now we're going to have to ask you to work fewer hours. Right, exactly. And that was one of the big things that when I talked to Howard Rosen, he said that a furlough is different because it's temporary. And that, in a lot of cases, makes it much better than a pay cut. In some sense, I would say a furlough, not that any of these things are good, but a furlough is better than a pay cut. Because you can take a pay cut, and the company can then decide, well, this is where we're going to just keep things. Where if you take a furlough, now there's always the possibility that they could lay you off during the furlough. But if you end up going back, you go back at your previous wage and you know benefits and all those kinds of things. Where if you take a pay cut, it's very possible that could be permanent. So, uh, and, and, and there, let me say, we have very, very weak worker protection in this economy. And what I mean by that specifically is, you know, unions represent less than 10% of the non-government private employment. And so the vast majority of people aren't covered by any kind of uh, agreement or any kind of arrangement with their employers, uh, formal arrangements. And so uh, then that allows the employer to really virtually do anything he or she wants to do uh, without any, you know, having to fill, you know, having to fit any kind of laws or anything like that. So the, 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 the flexibility is in the hand of the employer. 
and the vulnerability is in the hands of the uh, of the worker. Caitlin, is there any way to to track furloughs? I mean, if they don't actually end up resulting in layoffs, which which you would hear about in national statistics, is there any way to know you know how common they are? Well, it's pretty difficult. Uh, Rosen says you can look at hours worked. Those are numbers that the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out. But those numbers are lagged. It's quarterly data, so it's not really the most current up-to-date. And it's just not really that specific. Uh, There is one other number you can look at, and it might be someplace you might not expect. Rosen says the place to look is actually in productivity. Productivity is the amount of output given the amount of input. So how much we produce per hour of work. And that's why they have to calculate the hours. And what we normally see during a, during a recession is, um, well, it, it, it's, it's not always clear, but what we saw in the last recession is an increase, a very sharp increase in productivity because um, we, were, uh, uh, we were producing uh, more with less people, laying off workers and still producing the same amount. So productivity went up. We're going to have to, it will be interesting to see what's going on now. The last numbers we have are for the third quarter of 2008, and productivity was rising, rather healthy. Uh, we'll have to see what happens by the end of the year and into the beginning of this year uh, if productivity is continuing. The, again, a key thing to look at is as we get out of this recession, what happens to productivity then? Does output grow faster than the number of workers we bring in? Caitlin, the thing that's sort of confusing about that is, uh, you know, productivity going up, that actually sounds good. We're doing more uh, with less. You know, maybe people were, maybe there were some people out there who were working as efficiently as they could. And it turns out, you know, if they were forced to take a few hours off a week, they can actually still do their jobs. You know, maybe people are just chatting less at the coffee pot or... Well, that's one of the things that Rosen said. He said, you know, when we look back at the numbers from, you know, brief recession we had in 2001, that when they cut workers, they had to increase the efficiency of the machinery that they were working with. And maybe there was an extra position, a person doubled up on a job that they didn't really need. And that sort of forced them to cut back. But the thing about it that's really scary is that it makes you realize that economic growth can come back. Companies can be doing better. The economy is doing better. But it takes the employment cycle a while to catch up. Because some of these jobs that go away when these companies that, you know, can't be saved by furloughs or pay cuts or anything like that, when these companies close down, these jobs go away and they don't always necessarily come back. New jobs may come, but those other jobs, they're just lost. I see. So even if a company finds a way to be more productive and that's great for them, uh, there may be other ones that completely disappear and then you're going to have people out of work until we actually have, uh, you know, something new sprouts up. Exactly. Okay. Thanks, Caitlin. That was really great. Um, So we're going to follow up with some of these people, yeah? Yeah, definitely. We're going to keep in touch with them as they, a lot of them just started their furloughs. So we're going to keep in touch as they experience them and go through them. Can I ask you one other thing, which is, you know, there's part of me that would that would sort of love a furlough. I mean, I would love to have, uh, where, where I happen to be, I would love to have a week, an unpaid week, a year where I could just take care of stuff or I don't know, you know, take, go, go hiking or something. Yeah. What do, what do people actually do with their furloughs? 
Yeah, if you can afford it. I mean, financially, it's a great thing. It's funny, though, because some of the people I talked to, because it was so unexpected, they don't really have anything planned. Like Elizabeth said, you know, she was thinking maybe some chores. Uh, For George, he's got a big home improvement project he wanted to do. So he's going to be working up on that. Um, And Sarah sort of mentioned light housework. And she pointed out that it's really cold in Chicago right now. And so she's not really getting out of the house that much. It's not the best time, I guess, to be having time off from work. Right. I guess it's not like someone says, hey, you get two weeks off here. If someone's calling you in the beginning of the week and saying, you know, you can leave work at noon on Friday, it's kind of hard to plan a vacation for four hours on Friday. Right. And because, you know, some people, a lot of people actually do live paycheck to paycheck. You know, maybe you already had that money budgeted. So now you're thinking, okay, I'm home for a week, but I'm going to be losing out on this money. I don't want to spend any money when I'm out of work. So what do I do with my time? could start a podcast. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you, David. And if anyone else is out there and wants to send us a picture or tell us about their furlough, drop us a line at planetmoney at npr.org. And thank you, Caitlin Kinney, for producing yet another Planet Money podcast. Stick with us, folks out there on the blog. We need pictures especially and also your real-world indicators of the economy. You're living it. Send them. Yeah, people really love them. We turned some of them into a radio story that was on this morning, and everyone seemed to really, really like it. So please uh, send us stuff. Go to our blog, npr.org slash money. Our next podcast happens on Monday. I'm Laura Conaway. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.